Gregoire and Dan Beeston are smart enough to know better. Welcome to episode 127 of Smart Enough to Know Better. We're a podcast of science, comedy, and ignorance. I'm Dan Beeston. I'm Gregoire. <laughs> You're very flowery today. You're trying to get Am this I? sort of I'm operatic. I'm, 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 I feel that I'm. It's because I've been quite ill, and uh, and I think I'm just putting a lot more effort in to make sure I don't sound. Hi, I'm Gregoire, and please kill me. I love science. <laughs> science is killing me. Science has killed me. Actually, science is saving. Actually, science didn't save me. My immune system, all by itself, just went and did it. So praise you, God. Praise God. <laughs> wasn't going that far, but I was saying that, once again, medicine did nothing for me, nothing at all. The doctor went, you're sick. And I went, yes, yes, I am. And he went, you're pretty sick. And I went, yeah, yeah, can you do anything? I, well, if you start dying, we, we will stop you from dying. But otherwise, just take a couple of days and let your immune system, which is evolved, I mean, uh, to fix it. And I went, how much do I have to pay for this? And he went, oh, a lot of money. And I went, oh, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, doctors. We, I love you, doctors, but seriously... Ah, man, you should be paying evolution a, a, a kickback because, uh, woo. <laughs> right, now we've got all the doctors off, off not listening to the podcast anymore. <laughs> uh, who wants doctors listening to a science podcast? <laughs> we've completely gone off track. Uh, how do we do this? Sizzle. Okay, in this week's episode, everyone says, I've got no filter. I'm going to prove them wrong. And, of course, everyone loves spiders, 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 and more spiders. I've got more spider stories. And I'm going to teach you how to become the first Australian, cobber. <laughs> oh, no, what have I done? <laughs> but it's week in science. <laughs> What's your, how's your, you, you have a week in science, Dan? Yes. I complained, I think, last episode about how 90% of the correspondence I get is people making fun of me with articles about feathered dinosaurs. <laughs> okay? Well... My fans heard the call and then they found an article about some science that showed that T-Rex, probably featherless. Probably, yes, that's right. Probably um, featherless. What was really funny about that, Dan, is it was sent to me as well, but not like as in watch out, Greg. It was, there was honestly like this level of, well, Greg, your time has come. You've been the top <laughs> dog for too long. Like quite a few people got in contact with me to, to give me a kicking. And I loved it. I went, oh, that's the best thing. It was so rare that, that <laughs> dinosaur stuff, I get a kicking. So I was like, fair enough. But I, every time, like someone went, hey, it looks like T-Rexes don't have uh, feathers. And I, and I wrote back one person, well, they don't have all body feathers, but they probably still have a lovely ruff on the top of their neck. So a beautiful Carmen Miranda headscarf or something like that. Hmm. You, can't, you can't say it doesn't. <laughs> Like, shut up. Fair enough. One thing I realized is that whenever we hear from our listeners, it's not like, oh, that's dumb and you're stupid, or, oh, that, that, I agree with that and, I'm, you know, it makes me really happy. Our listeners always have citations. Yes. They're always oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. oh, I've got uh, some information to back this up. Yes. I, Better I, than I like this, and this is why. And it's not just Wikipedia either. Like, they don't just send Wikipedia like we normally do. Like, they actually have proper references to articles. Or Yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty impressive. They should probably just do the podcast, really. Just get rid of us entirely. <laughs> but it's, it's so nice because all of us are excited about evidence, and that doesn't happen that often. 
No. People get excited about all sorts of stuff. Hearsay, <laughs> speculation. We get excited about evidence and go, oh, well, we know something that we like, but now here's some evidence. Oh, my God. It's something I'm finding interesting on social media. Someone drops an article saying some sort of, which I'll discuss very soon, actually, an overblown article title. And then I always read it. And then I always feel bad when I then go, well, actually, the article didn't really say that. That's just the title. And, and then people get angry at you for <laughs> You hate this. I don't I don't hate it. I just don't think that like it'll say interstellar travel will be built tomorrow thanks to Alcaberry drives. People are like, oh my god, Greg, we can go into space tomorrow. And you read it, and you're like, mm, no, no, I'm sorry, that's not a thing. And they're like, you suck. And you're like, mm, mm. Oh, Dashing well. their dreams, their hopes and their yeah. dreams. Yeah, and and I am. That's what I do. With but I always back it up. Evidence. With... <laughs> that's the problem. I'm not doing it. Science as ruins everything. But speaking of science ruins everything. My week in science. I was I was found a story that I wanted to talk about on the podcast about animals and and excretion. In the past, what you and I have discussed about it takes that like all mammals pee for the same amount of time. Mm-hmm. And uh, dogs and poop we, in the same direction. Dogs poop in the same direction. We love this stuff. We backed it up by not just we did an experiment where we asked people to write in how long it takes them to pee, and, and within error bars, it seemed pretty good actually. We kind of got some evidence that oh, so data which backed up this article. So we were pretty excited by that. So when I found this story about mammals pooping at a certain time they take to poop. I thought, well, this is great. It's another extension of this stuff. Mm-hmm. So I was going to talk about it on the podcast. All these articles came out about it. And then I just happened to be listening to other science podcasts. In fact, I was listening to No Such Thing as a Fish, and they mentioned it. And I went, ah, oh, I try not to do things other people are doing, so I'll worry about it. And they're like... They beat us to the butt punch. They did. <laughs> so basically the, the story was that mammals take 12 seconds to excrete feces. All mammals. All mammals take 12 seconds to excrete feces. And I was really interested in this. So I went and checked the, the articles, and I instantly discovered it's not true, but it's kind of true. And I got very confused because <laughs> mm. I read other articles, like pe- big hitters, like big science hero kind of people were like, that's wrong and it's incorrect and that's bad science and everyone should be sad about this thing. And other people were like, well, I think it's right. So, when, so this made me go, okay, let's talk about what's right and wrong. This, in my week in science was how do I work out what's right and what's wrong based on these articles? So let, I'll, I'll give you some data here. The article said that uh, all mammals take 12 seconds to excrete feces. Mm-hmm. So that's how long it takes to come out of your backside and stop coming out of your backside, 12 seconds, every okay. mammal. But when you look at the article itself, what it says is it takes between 5 seconds and 19 seconds. Mm-hmm. That's not 12 seconds. That's no. So, so, Sometimes uh, they're a different length or a different thickness. Sometimes yes, the, sometimes you're scared. <laughs> Well, that's true. And and this is this is maybe well, so the article saying twelve seconds for all mammals. But when you looked into it, but okay, well, it's not twelve seconds, it's a range between five and nineteen. It's not as catchy. That's not I can see it's not catchy, but it came down to averages. When I looked at so it, people were like, see, it's not right, that's a wrong article, it's incorrect, it's wrong. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's wrong and they shouldn't have said all mammals are twelve seconds. But when you look at averages, it starts to get interesting because there are three different types of averages. There's mean, median, and mode. Mm-hmm. So mean is when you add up all the numbers, so between 5 and 19, yep. and then you divide by the number of numbers, and yep. that gives you the mean average. Yep. Okay. The mode average, let's say um, uh, 80% of all animal mammals on Earth all took 17 seconds to poop. That would be more, more of that number, 17 seconds, that would be the mode average. So the mode. Well, you wouldn't call it mode average, but it's, it's yep. called the mode. It's a type of average. And then you have the median. 
and the median is the basically the center of the range. And the range in this time is from five seconds to 19 seconds. So five plus 19, 24 divided by two gives you 12. Okay. So, so we have a median average of time that mammals take to poop is 12 seconds. That's what the article should have said. Now, it didn't. They said all mammals take. So, yes, it's wrong. But on the other hand, I am willing to give it the benefit of the doubt. They should have been more precise about averages, but they were still mentioning an average of mammals. So, anyway, that was – I thought it was interesting. But that- that's not a story. Everything has a median average. Like, every yes. every range has a median average. So – that's that's not a story. That's that's just how maths works. Like if, if I, yeah, all, I guess so. Like the thing, yeah. the interesting thing about the urination is that all mammals took the same amount of time, whether they had great big bladders or little tiny bladders, and that was very mm. compelling. This is just some some newspaper idiot is just trying to jump back on the, this old bandwagon, and it's like <laughs> no, that's that's not how numbers work. I think they misunderstood what an average was, and they, that's where that's where the incorrect sort of nature comes from. I mean, we've talked about before with height. For human beings, or human males anyway, I am average human height. I am the mean average of human height. Only thing so, average about you. As a, thank you very much, uh, I think. No. Nope. Wait. <laughs> Wait. Uh, damn it. You're right. And, and I guess if you said all human beings in, in the old imperial measurements are five foot nine, that's not a story because unless you said all human beings are five foot nine, 178 centimeters, then yeah, I guess, yeah, I, I suppose you're right. It isn't really a story. It's just a, yeah. we took all the human yeah. beings, we divided it by the number of human beings. Yeah. It's only a story if it's the mode. It's not a story if it's the median. And so uh, this person's just being a. Well, even if it's the mean, it would be fine, I guess. It'd be, the mean would be. No, you're right. No, it would be, it'd be boring. It's the it's the mode. It, it has to be the mode. Yeah, you're probably right. Okay, well, there you go. So there, there you have it. This is this is the stuff that we talk about. <laughs> I realize we probably lost about thirty thirty five percent more, if not of our listeners. Oh, prob- yeah. probably between twenty eight and forty seven percent. So the medium of that amount of listeners that we just lost. <laughs> Now, we don't talk about this enough, but I quite like a drink. <laughs> you do, Dan. You and, do. And I, But the thing is, we've never really sort of delved down into how it all works and why I like it so much. I didn't realise this podcast was now a therapy podcast. Yeah. Oh, no, we don't want to go that way because then we might actually stumble upon some sort of decisions that I have to make about my life. No, we, we're just going to go into the hard science. Right, right, okay. When I have a single snifter of brandy at Christmas, yes. uh, uh, 20% of the alcohol in that gets absorbed into my stomach. Well done, well done. And then 80% of it is absorbed through my small intestine. Nice. Okay, and it goes into my blood. Now, the alcohol affects just about every system because it's a very small molecule and it kind of get everywhere in the body. Yeah. So it's a little tiny thing. But the most important part of the body it gets to is the brain. <laughs> yes. Okay. Because that's... cheap, so. Yeah. You're not drinking it for the taste. No, uh, well, I I am, but but that's only after it getting to my brain so much. So, <laughs> the brain needs water. The brain needs fluid. What happens is the the fluid comes up with all the blood and stuff and gets absorbed through the brain blood brain barrier and it right. gets all the moisture it needs. But ethanol actually absorbs faster than water. So if oh. there's ethanol and water, the ethanol will go through first. Good. The brain's prioritizing. Well yeah, done. It's jumping the queue. <laughs> So I just, I just imagine your brain, Dan, of there's like a big, there's like the brain casino, like a brain disco, and there's like all these bodyguards going, no, 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 all these water molecules going, can I come in? Like, wait, yep, you can come in, you can come in, not with those shoes. 
you can come in. Not like nose a, bonds, sir. Yes. <laughs> and then, and then like a, a limousine pulls up, and the whole cool, cute ethanol party comes out. Like, Woo! Oh, yeah, yeah, and some like real the beats drop. And like just wearing sunglasses and moving in like those jump cuts. Yeah, and everybody gets uh, the bodyguard goes, "Oh, welcome, welcome back, sir. Come on in. Dan's been ready for you since three p.m. It's only four fifteen, but he's ready for you again." <laughs> and the <laughs> we're laughing and the, and, and the license pl- and the license plate reads five o'clock <laughs> man i'm delighted by that mental image okay so so my brain's got the ethanol but there's ethanol all through my body so what what's happening to the rest of it like it's basically going to waste oh man my kidneys they filter out poisons or at least mine do, little troopers that they are, just battling against all odds. Um, and, I, and I think about that when I get up in the night to pee if I've been drinking. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, oh, I have to go to the bathroom. And I'm like, no, that's my kidneys doing their thing. You go, you good thing. So <laughs> one pe- day when I get someone else's, it'll also be working very, very <laughs> So they're filtering out toxins and removing them from the body. That's how filters work. They yes. sort of catch stuff. And they get rid of the, the crappy stuff. They throw away what they what I don't want in there. But if the kidneys are filtering poison out of my system, does that mean I'm peeing out the ethanol that I drank? Is my pee full of ethanol? No, I, I'm like, going to say no. I, I'm guessing here. It's a total guess. But it, I'm surely it breaks it down into other less complicated molecules. Ah, interesting you would say that. Alcohol is metabolized by the liver where the enzymes break down the alcohol. Okay, not the kidney. So the liver takes the alcohol, breaks it down into simpler stuff. Uh, So so the kidney kidney filters it apart, and then the liver goes, hey, thanks for that, and takes the bad stuff away and deals with it. No, the liver takes it first and breaks it down. The kidneys are just a filter. They just separate. They can't break stuff down. Oh, okay, right, okay. So, yeah, they have two very different functions, which kind of makes sense if you think about it. So (laughs) by the time you pee the ethanol should be pretty much broken down. Right. Uh, now, if there's a problem with the liver, then the ethanol might end up in the kidneys, but if that's the case, I probably shouldn't be drinking anymore anyway. From a bottle or my own genitals. <laughs> Good advice. Good, well done. Well done. Now, I'm interested. You drink much more than I do. I do drink occasionally, but like you could count it on one hand in a year like there's literally that little alcohol in my system most of the time just i'm not into the taste so i I find it difficult to drink i wonder if if a cannibal ate my kidney compared to your kidney or liver i wonder if they could detect it could you detect it by taste that you drink more than me interesting idea as i understand it the liver is really good at regenerating itself yeah so I mean, it's the Doctor Who of, of bodily organs. <laughs> Except I'm not looking forward to my next one. <laughs> no one is, Dan. No, no one wants Capaldi to go. That's what, we don't want that. We don't want Peter Capaldi to go. That's the thing. You don't want the, the new upstart liver. Man, we can't. Oh, it's very sad. <laughs> Take me so long to get used to the new liver. Turns out the kidneys are pretty much all about water, salt, and acid. Those all need to be held in balance, and the body does this by shuffling them at the right ratios into the bladder. So, Sounds like my 20s. I just realised. Anyway, sorry, go on. <laughs> as you get drunk, your kidneys get drunk as well, and so right. and so they're not quite as good at moderating liquid. <laughs> so, so you can pee yourself. That's why you pee yourself when you're drunk? No, you pee yourself when you're drunk. Because you your break bladder's... the seal because it's a oh. diuretic. Oh, uh, okay. 
but your your bladder just I, it's not quite as good at dealing with the ratios and stuff and yeah. so yeah it's 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 making it's making poor judgments just like i am can i just make make a point that most people when they're sober couldn't handle ratios i mean that's why tipping is so bloody hard for many people in the world so to suddenly add alcohol then say starting ratios and uh, yeah i of course your kidneys and liver are having problems because <laughs> <laughs> that makes perfect sense to me <laughs> mind you my penis is always good at multiplying uh i think that's a procreation joke oh i see sure. right was great no no i i was, I, no. I just suddenly had this image of you covered in like a forest of penises and I, and it really worried me looked like an anemone yes and uh, and of course the blood flow required you'd have to have like multiple hearts to keep them all erect ah oh, we're back to doctor who <laughs> is that why he's got all those hearts is like <laughs> How many genitals does a Time Lord have? Well, 13, technically, but we'll see. And, and a war genital. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. All right, so a tiny amount of alcohol is excreted from the body. Uh, your breath, some of the alcohol comes through your breath, which is good for yep. cops because then they can read yes. it in the breathalyzers. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Your urine is generally one-third denser in alcohol than your blood. So you do actually have some urine in your bladder. Uh, some alcohol in your some, bladder. Yes. Sometimes you have urine in there as well. <laughs> so- yes, sometimes you have alcohol in there. And so if your blood is 0.05, then yeah. your bladder will be 0.07. Oh, so they can test it. They can test your pee as well. Yes, they, they can. They can test your pee. So I could drink it and reclaim the alcohol, but there's not really a lot of it. <laughs> uh, it's In an evening, I'd probably pee maybe a couple of litres if I'm lucky, like if I'm drinking a lot. Not like, alcohol. Like, you wouldn't pe- be peeing urine. a couple of litres of alcohol. Oh, yeah, 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 urine. But, yeah, a couple of litres of urine. And even then... Right. Litres um, of urine. Yeah, like that's, of- that's an insane amount. I think your bladder thought- holds like... 130 milliliters or something? Or? Yeah, yeah. So, so you go to the toilet 10 times more. When you're drinking? Uh, yeah, you can. People can hell. People can go to the bathroom a lot when they're drinking pretty solidly. Okay. Yeah, I mean, if you, if, you, if you have 14 pints of beer, then yeah. at some point that's all got to come out of you. Yeah, yeah, good point. Yeah, that's – what's a pint? A pint's about 525 milliliters. I think it's about half a liter. Roughly, I thought it was six hundred. Um, oh, doesn't matter. Is it some? Okay, then that ballparks. So, but yeah, okay. So if you had seven liters of liquid, you've got to get rid of it. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you know, I could have like I could drink a couple of liters of pee, but the alcohol content is like one eightieth that of a standard beer. I would actually get drunker drinking non-alcoholic <laughs> beer that you get from the supermarket, or uh, <laughs> or or eating old apples. <laughs> now, methamphetamines, LSD, and magic mushrooms. Completely right. different kettle of fish. Well, that's, well, yes, especially once you've taken them. Everything looks like a kettle of fish. It's very terrifying. Oh, a knife once took a kettle of fish, and that was <laughs> some of those fish were. <laughs> All that mercury, I can't stop shaking. <laughs> that's right. It's quite horrible, actually. Sorry. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> oh, no, I'm sad. There's a mushroom called the Amanita mushroom, uh, and it's so strong that the, the person who ate the mushroom, if you drink their urine, you'll have a better experience than they are. <laughs> Um, I know what you mean by that, but also, how good is this drug if if it's better <laughs> if you've drunk it through someone's urine first? You know what I'm trying to say here? Well, like the, the, you could the, the imbibing experience would lower the overall experience. Oh, I see. Well, apparently, the experience of eating one of these mushrooms is fairly unpleasant because it's pretty strong and yeah. has some nasty side effects. But what you can do is you can filter that mushroom through a reindeer. 
<laughs> so the reindeers <laughs> eat the mushrooms and then you drink right. the reindeer urine. That's much better. Yeah. That's not weird, that's not weird at all. No, not weird that's, at all. That's fine. And so, yeah, these, these stories come from, um, I think, Scandinavian type stuff. Right. At any rate, there's reindeers involved. <laughs> there's another story I read, and look, take this with a grain of salt and then filter right. it through your kidneys. <laughs> and uh, it's a woman who was addicted to meth and she couldn't afford any, and so she'd loiter outside of her dealer's place and ask other customers for their, to pee for them, and then she would drink their pee. And she says mm. that she stayed high for three days, but her mm. undoing was the urea buildup in her system. I, I'm going to have to say citation needed on this one. This sounds like... A story told to someone behind the bike sheds. I once heard this story about, you know, I'm not saying you're making it up, Dan, but you are known for being an incorrigible liar. So <laughs> but <laughs> meth does get filtered through the kidneys. The liver, oh, wow, doesn't, okay. the, the liver doesn't break it down. Those things, meth and LSD and uh, reindeer urine, they don't get broken down by the kidneys <laughs> very effectively. And you end up with 66% of it is coming out or maybe maybe 33%. But it's yeah. coming out, and you can still, and you can t- take it again. So the problem with this lady in the story <laughs> is that she kept drinking her own urine. Yeah. So, so that, and that's diminishing returns. And you should definitely pass it around. I just this image of of, of Breaking Bad because they had blue sky. I, I, it would really change the show if they were handing out yellow snow. It would be much. It would be as cool. <laughs> I think. You're like, oh. Yeah. I, it's a. It's a. It's a shame. Meth is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> Yay for meth. Hooray for meth. I can just realise I can hear cicadas through your speakers like no one's business or grasshoppers or something. I think it's a frog. I guess the audience will get to enjoy the... Enjoy the frog. The frog. Enjoy the frog, enjoy, guys. Enjoy some frog. We we can't edit this frog out. This, this is just... This is international famous frog. This is, of course, the smart enough to know better comedy frog. Um <laughs> There we go. Yeah, um, uh, this happens yeah, occasionally. Okay. You get birds and stuff in the background. Yeah, it's yeah, great. It's nice. I love it. It's um, it's winter sort of landed last night here in Perth, but there's, so there's no magpies. Normally, there's like six or seven magpies sitting on my veranda, having the greatest time this time of the afternoon. Spiders again. Like most again. of our listeners are still having nightmares from the last time you talked I about know, spiders. I understand. For those who don't know, basically there's enough spiders in the world if they decided to only eat human flesh, they would depopulate the entire planet in one year. Yay, yay for that. Uh, oh, and I guess when the, when they had when they feasted on a meth user or a reindeer, they're going to get like a little high. Yeah, which is good. I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah. I wonder go. if meth. Oh no, I was like, I wonder if meth affects spiders. But someone did the experiment once, didn't they? Uh, LSD affects spiders. I don't know about meth. So different drugs will affect things differently. So I don't don't know. If, I don't know if meth did or not. I can't remember. But LSD oh, definitely right. did. I think alcohol did too. Cocaine did too. These are obviously these are these are very high priced animals, and they only like. <laughs> Anyway, so there's more interesting information. Maybe it's just once spider stories come out, like we've talked about the spiders being able to eat all human beings, and we talked about how spiders can hear you when you enter a room. They can definitely detect that you're there. So I was interested. I saw the story saying, but can spiders do maths? And it seems to be that, yes, Well, the average can. of spiders can. Like can the average 50, of between 50% and 56% <laughs> of spiders can do maths. It would it wouldn't even be a mode because it's only they only really did jumping spiders. But we're looking at a certain type of spider anyway. So jumping spiders 
seem to be able to understand numbers. So they can look at a, a number of things and keep in their mind that that's a number of things. If that number of things changes, they acknowledge it. They go, that's strange. So that's exactly what happened. So we've decided, we decide, we as in science, Fiona Cross and Robert Jackson at the University of Canterbury in New Zealand were looking at a type of jumping spider. And what they say is actually it, they can understand <laughs> numbers. They were looking at a jumping spider, and what they say is, ah! It's on my face! It's on my face! The spider could determine the numbers one to three quite easily, so they can count to three. But they found it very, very... And they fall over. (laughs) 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 And what's what's interesting is it's kind of right because once they go to four and up, they have great difficulties. And four to six, they have problems, and anything beyond six, they cannot do. So, yes, technically, yeah, maybe... (laughs) (laughs) Counting on their feet. Ah, lovely. So what they did, this this story was they showed them a picture. They had these two towers, for Lord of the Rings, but they had these two towers. Well, I'm glad that that's where your brain went. Oh, (laughs) they can't count count to nine or 11. So it's it's, it's, great. Good. There's no no point in that. Oh, it's all gold today. So no, let's you know, stay here at this accident. Wow, what 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 wealth of comedy can we find in this mine? Well, they, when the first Spider-Man movie came out, strangely enough, he did actually have a there's an ad with the with the web between the twin towers. So people were like, oh, because then you know bad stuff happened, and yeah. Mm. Anyway, yeah, it's so look, we didn't do this. The movies did this way before. So anyway, this spider. I think you'll find it was terrorists. Or possibly the American government. I heard this oh. thing about steel beams. Oh, that's not. Oh, okay. We're not. We're, no, but, no. Spiders. Count one to three. They they showed them a picture of their prey animal on this tower, and they could see up and look at it. And then they would say, okay, they acknowledge a number. And then when they went to the next tower over, they would notice that the the number was different. And when the number, if the number was different, if the number was different, the spider would acknowledge it. Would would spend more time looking at it because I guess it's like, well, there are three things in that web, and there are only two in this one. So they would acknowledge the mm. difference. So they're like, oh, okay, they're picking up the numbers. When the numbers got too big, they just didn't stop. They just went, oh, it's a number, that's a number, moving on. We can't quite tell the difference. So they seem to be able to count one, two, and three. So the only defense now is, is to have more children than there are spiders. That's what they always be in a room where there's more than three of you in the room. Because when the spiders attack, they won't be able to acknowledge you all. They'll only attack three of you, and one of you will be able to get away. That's for our arachnophobes who are listening, who specifically emailed me to stop putting in spider stories because they got upset and find it difficult to let their children go to sleep at night. Look, you can't see. This is an audio podcast. The glee on this man's (laughs) face. Why are you telling us not to do stuff, listeners? Because it's, it's like a red rag to a bull. Is it or the number three to a dangerous space-eating spider? But why would they want to do maths? That's the question. Why do they need it? Well, for finding prey. That's a good one. But maybe also to see the moon. So well, the spiders that, want to see the moon. Well, this is the interesting point is, can spiders see the moon? This is a whole different story now. It's two stories that came up at the same time. So the spiders, these jumping spiders, can they see? Can animals see into space. Like when I go out at nighttime, people know that I'm into astronomy. It's, it's sort of a lot of what I do. I, when I go out at night, I can look up, I can see the moon, I can see Jupiter when it's up. If with a pair of binoculars, I can see Andromeda. Even in dark skies, I can see Andromeda Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I can see Earth. two moons. Well, that's that's, that's this links back to the alcoholism thing before. <laughs> so. 
So See, we, this, can, we can this podcast is all weaving together beautifully, isn't it? It's, it's very good. Now he's going to throw in some terrorists, and we find. Um, I can see. I can resolve these things in the sky, and using telescopes, I can see further. But can spiders? Can a little spider, like a, a little, use a spider, telescope? It's, no, it's got too many eyes. Like, how well, would you close what... seven of your eyes and keep one open? That would be really hard. Well, I, yes. Well, that's that's the. This is the point. This is the point I'm trying to say. Is that can they can they actually see these things without using a telescope, which would be very difficult for them to use for for lots of reasons, including imposable thumbs, and and only be able to use three screws to hold it all together. The point of this is <laughs> the point is is can a five millimeter animal see uh, something that big and that far away? And it seems it sounds like your magpie's back. Yes, yes, there is a couple. They all just landed. The, uh, the gang are back, and they're really happy about something. There you go. They're very, they're very happy. Yeah. It's very, I do love them. They're, they're very nice. Hmm. They keep bringing their babies along and go, I have babies. Anyway. Oh, my frog says to say hi to them. <laughs> they probably eat it. He, anyway. Yeah, he's goading them because he's, he knows he's on the other side of the country. <laughs> as soon as they close the door, they're straight back. You can't actually shoot them at this point. Not a proper corvid. No, not, they're, no. no, they're... It's like they're a but, called, big butcher bird or something. Yeah, what we call magpies are what other people call magpies. And what we call crows, other people call ravens. It's all very confusing in Australia. We have different names for different things. Can a five-millimeter jumping spider, a tiny little spider, see the moon? And what's interesting is they can. Like, an animal that small probably shouldn't be able to resolve it. They, they probably wouldn't be able to pick up the light. And they if they could pick up the light, they just don't have the... Uh, it's just too big. A little less than one millimeter size eye just can't pick up on the uh, uh, on, on the visual. It just can't do it. But what's interesting about these sort of spiders? Only one of three animals in the world to have this structure in their eye. They actually have little Galilean telescopes for eyes. Ooh. So their uh, their eyes are basically telescopes, uh, Galilean telescopes. So what that means is they have a lens at the front, so that bends the light in like mm-hmm. glasses. Then they have a tube of gel going backwards. So yeah. the light then passes through, and then a collecting area at the back. So they have a tube with a lens on the end. It's sort of different to our eye structure, slightly. I mean, a long, it's sort of longer, mm. it's much more like a telescope. And with this structure, they can see things much bigger than themselves. So a five-millimeter jumping spider can easily see the entire dog in the room. Like the dog was near it. it, it's not just a big blurry thing in front of it. It's like, oh, that's the dog. It knows that that they can see the whole thing due to these amazing telescope eyes. Wow. Not all spiders have, so they can bet these ones good. So then, when they started doing the maths on it, saying a telescope of this size with you know this level of optics, can it resolve the moon? And the answer was yes, they can see the moon. So when these jumping spiders look up at night and see a moon, they can see the whole moon. And in fact, they could probably see variations of light and dark on the moon. We call them mares, the craters. They could probably see different levels of dark and light on the moon, which is pretty cool. Yeah. It's really, really interesting. Their eyes aren't very good at dark adaption, so they're, they've evolved differently, so they're not good at seeing in the dark. So unfortunately, that means they couldn't see Jupiter or Mars like we can, or just Saturn. They they can't see the stars because they can't, they can't get enough light into their eyes to actually see them. But and they can't see Andromeda. That's not because Andromeda, they, their eyes couldn't focus on that part of the sky. It's because they couldn't get enough light into their eye. But they could see Andromeda if mm. it was only brighter. So that's really weird. They, the fact these animals can actually 
look up into the sky and see the moon and see variations of color or at least dark and light on the moon. Is that at the the cost of not having panoramic vision? That's well, they've got lots of eyes to see lots of different directions, so yeah. they can, they make up for that way. It does the loss does seem to be they can focus. They're they're a hunting spider, so they need to focus on something and jump at it. So they they jump they jump and grab it. So they're going to be able to focus in on it, and and that level of eye is very useful for them for doing that. What it's not useful is night vision. They don't have a lot of cones in their eyes to see in the dark. So they're not a dark adapted ah, spider so that's so why they... when it's night time they they'll get lost and end up on your face <laughs> yes yes and all your children's faces for our listeners who email me to not say such terrible things i'm being very bad <laughs> and enjoying it the these spiders are really interesting they now what was it now why i want to end this where i was going remember it says at the start three animals only three animals in the world have the same structure of galilean telescope eyes and the other ones so one was jumping spiders the other ones were chameleons with those turreted eyes, which kind of makes sense when you look at them. You're like, oh, yeah, that, that looks like basically a big tube. I can see that. Oh, yes. And the other one are falcons, the bird. So falcons have Galilean telescopy kind of eyes. Now, I'm really excited by that. I've been looking online to find information about whether a falcon could see the moon. I mean, I'm assuming it can because it's big and they can fly by the stars. They can see changes in well it flies so birds. close to it well that's, that's like, it'd be easy when once closer. you're up there in the sky yeah. but could they see jupiter could they see mars could they see andromeda it's a bigger animal with a bigger eye than a spider a better visual acuity than us but with this type of build this, this telescope build i'm now interested what's weird is i cannot find any information to answer the question i've been looking online lots and lots and lots so listener if you know whether a falcon can actually do astronomy, basically see planets or even galaxies. Let me know. Point me in the right direction because I'm really interested in finding out. I've asked a few people and they've said no, but that's before they realized that these aren't um, bird experts, by the way. These are astronomers. And they said no because they couldn't pick up the light. But knowing now they use these telescope eye structures, I don't know. So we need to find out. It's really important. Elon Musk is not going to be happy to hear that falcons can't even see the moon. Well, that's... that's, <laughs> I just, I just, sort of image. He'll just have he'll have Avery glassmakers just kind of madly putting glasses on birds. Damn it! It's forty-one degrees C, and I sit there and go, "What's different about America and Australia? Where when it gets to forty-one degrees C here in Perth every year for a week, no one you don't hear stories about people dogs dying." roads melting or planes not be able to take off is it only that we're used to it or is is there something fundamentally different about the heat over there or the structure or how they build things or yeah could... well that could definitely be the case for roads because you build your road for the situation that it's going to have to deal with i've, I've seen roads melt and get all tacky but yeah. they don't build them yeah. like that in australia anymore because they know that it gets quite hot um, yeah and they yeah i guess so I've seen, um, yeah. and I know that yeah. planes in in Abu Dhabi they they can only take off in early in the morning and late in the afternoon. So all the plane schedules are set up like that. But if you don't have to deal with temperatures like that all the time, then your plane schedules are probably set for during the day because yeah, when guess, yeah. flights okay. need to be sort of planned for their takeoff and their landing, yeah, it's just a, a, an extra piece of, that they usually don't have to worry about. Yeah, I suppose so. You're right there. So you wouldn't, you don't put too many planes down in Perth at two o'clock in the afternoon. Well, you can put them down. You just can't. They, they just can't take off between eleven yeah, right. and three, or maybe. So if you look at the yeah. timetable, maybe there aren't a lot of planes taking off in those hours. That's true. Uh, so far as dogs dying, 
I mean, you look at Scottish people when they come over here and they're like, oh, my God. We went over to Scotland and it was 30 degrees and everyone's like, oh, my God, it's so hot. I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's really yeah. hot. My, brother, my brother-in-law can't handle it. He comes over here and it gets it gets into the 30s and he's freaking out. Mm. He's Scottish. He, he's actually, I can't go anywhere. I can't do anything. And you're like, oh, it's 30 degrees. It's warm. Like, you know, it's warm. But it's not hot. It's just 30 degrees. But I think... The rest of the world thinks 30-plus is madness, where so, in Brisbane especially. Maybe, also, it's, it's, it's not madness. And, you know, maybe maybe certain types of dogs, like if you had a dog here in Australia, like a big, great big fluffy Labrador, you might trim it for summer because yeah, it's going to... So maybe we, maybe we care for dogs a little bit differently to be mindful of those types of year. Maybe mm. we just provide more water for them because we know how important water we're, we're is. We're aware of it. Yeah, that's true. We don't make them go stand outside on the concrete for three hours because yeah. normally that's fine because they, they need to get some sun because it's 18 degrees all the time, so they need to go get yeah. warmed Yeah, I up. mean, we get out of – like, we leave yeah. the house and often people will be like, oh, I'll just take a bottle of water with me, whereas mm. in, you know, Canada, they're like, oh, I'll leave the house – Better take a jacket, whereas I yeah, forget to take a jacket. That's true. Well, I made that comment before. I don't think any human being should live in a place where if you stuff up your clothing for the day, you could literally die. That, that, that seems insane to me. Um, the friend of the podcast, Carrington Vanston, shows pictures of winter where he is, and I can't fathom why you'd live there. Uh, hmm. <laughs> Except that you live in a place where if you leave the house for seven minutes at the wrong time of day, you come back inside bright red. Yeah, but bright red is different to dead. You can die from being exposed to Australian summer, of course, but not that fast. Not in 20 minutes. I'm not going to lose my fingers in 20 minutes. Even an extreme heat wave in Australia, I could walk for an hour and probably not die. Do you know what I mean? I like those odds. <laughs> and, well, I, and I've done it. I've only realized later on that, yes, I got sunburned and I was thirsty at the end of it, but I've done it before. Like, you know, walked around and realized it was 40 degrees Celsius and then gone, holy crap, it's 40 degrees Celsius. You know, thank goodness I had a hat on uh, and, and nothing else. Uh, I, yeah, I, I'm intrigued. I, just, I, I always think cold weather is madness. Madness. But anyway, yeah. I, I, just, yeah, I think your, your comments about, about just knowing how to deal with the heat, it's just ingrained in what you do. Therefore, when it happens in a place that doesn't have it 24-7, 365 days a year i guess yeah they, they just don't know how to handle it and they make mistakes good chat yeah in my time. dan you have been loaded into the smart enough to know better time machine the door has clanged behind you what i was this last up. cleaned this is, is a, disgusting it, look, I went to Italy. It was, it was a big thing. Uh, I closed the door behind you. It's locked and barred to make sure you can't escape. And now you have one hour to research when you're going back in time and where you're going so that you not just live, you thrive, that you actually pimp your time in 47,000 BC in the place now white man calls Darwin, Australia. For one hour. 47,000 BC. BC. 49,000 yes. years ago. 49,000 years ago. It's the first we sent anyone back in time in Pimp My Time. By, by a must... factor of 10. By by a factor, close to a factor of 10, yes. Yeah, it, it, it's pretty close. So that's good. I, I like to stretch you. I thought, okay. you, know, you, you seem to be able to handle it. So you would plonk down. For those who have never heard this before, uh, we send people back in time. They have to thrive. They have to pimp it. They have to do very, very well in that time with only one hour to study what's going on. They can't take anything with them. They can't write anything on their bodies. They just have to use their brains, what they learn from the internet inside the capsule, and basically do the best they can. So, Dan... 
you've just stepped into Northern Australia. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And for the listeners, um, Dan can speak the language of the people around them and they won't instantly kill him. That's hey. the only other two rules. So there we go. You've just stepped back into 47,000 47, BC, Dan. Okay. BCE. So the current state of affairs for Australian Aboriginals is not great. Uh, oh, because Dan's here! Okay. Uh, look, I'm not going to take all the blame. I'll take some of the blame. <laughs> but I'm not going to take all the blame. Sure. Uh, the average lifespan. That's a white, white man's answer. I just, yeah. <laughs> the average lifespan is more than 10 years less than their fellow Australians, uh, with half of Aboriginal men dying before the age of 45. Is this is modern day? Yeah, this is modern day. Okay, right, right. Current okay, situation. Right, right. Oh, okay. There's endemic poverty and health problems. Aboriginal men are nine times more likely to be imprisoned than their fellow Australians. Wow. There's terrible alcoholism. Many Indigenous people actually lack the enzyme that breaks down alcohol properly. The side effects of the drinking actually change them on a genetic level, leaving their children born craving alcohol. Wow. Is that is that fetal, alcoholic fetal syndrome or something like that? Or? I, it's probably something like that. I didn't see that yes, name. Okay. But, yeah. Wow. They've been disposed of their culture and their native lands by the invasion of the British. So my hedonistic lifestyle is built on the bones of a culture that stretches back for tens of thousands of years. For me to pimp my lifestyle at their expense at this point is basically trying to get blood out of a stone when I'm already far too full of blood. Okay. But 49,000 years ago, everyone's on the same tier. The gloves are off and I can do whatever I want. <laughs> White-skinned people haven't done anything to deserve guilt yet. <laughs> okay. Are you, this sounds like a justification. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just oh. saying, in the context of 49,000 years ago, anything I do is not necessarily, can't be judged by the current situation. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay. So I have a lot of empathy for the Aboriginals right now, but I don't necessarily need to bring that in 49,000 oh, years see. ago. Right, I understand what you're saying. Okay. I'm horrified, yeah. but I understand. <laughs> 49,000 years ago. This is a really long time ago that you've sent me. Um, <laughs> currently, on the globe, Cro-Magnon Man is colonising Europe. <laughs> like, there's yes. a different Homo sapien no. Um, uh, well, the Cro-Magnon, we think, is related to us. Okay. Yes. So there's a... Humans are different people. Yes. Like, there, there, are, are, still, different... there, are, there are still Neanderthals, I think, around that time, or, oh or very close. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe not exactly. No, maybe maybe a bit like, but it's pretty close. Pretty close. Oh, it's a, it's a shame that it's me sent back to this time and not you. You could have f***ed them. The... <laughs> Okay, not only is Cro-Magnon Man around, in Australia there are these huge flightless birds, carnivorous kangaroos. <laughs> there is a five-metre-long snake. Good. There's a five-metre-long lizard and a tortoise Good. the size of a small car. <laughs> Fauna is different. <laughs> yes, Okay. Okay. So the animals are very, very big, is what yes. you're trying to say here. And you're going to stand out like, like a dog's bollocks compared to all the people around you. Oh, yeah, like yeah, I'm, I'm bait. The landscape is less arid at this point. Um, right. There are more lush forests, uh, which is all the better for hiding giant five-metre-long snakes. <laughs> so great. Now, now, usually, as you mentioned before, we just assume that I can easily talk to the inhabitants, but 
this far back, there is no... Like, we're still in the infancy of language. Between yeah. 50,000 and 45,000 years ago, it's only rudimentary language. Like, communication yeah. is going to be quite tricky. Fair enough. Uh, but nonetheless, this is Australia... And, you know, I'm a white fella. They're just in time to greet some newly arrived immigrants. <laughs> so the shoe is on the other foot now. <laughs> I turn up, it's the, it's basically the afternoon that they arrive. Right, okay. Yep. <laughs> Got it. Okay, so as I say, the shoe is on the other foot now. Not that anyone's wearing shoes or clothes. Right. The first thing I invent is a hat. Well done. Congratulations. Yes. It's pimped. You've done it. It's a pimp hat. Yes. <laughs> a Kubra is an Australian hat made from rabbit fur. Now, I would love to get my hands on some rabbits and let them loose in Australia uh, 49,000 years <laughs> early, but there is no way to do that. No rabbits around. No. Rabbit skin is thin and easy to remove. I might have to get my hands on a joey kangaroo, right. get his cute little joey face, and then just smash it with a big rock. <laughs> right. So then I strip the skin off it, uh, stretch the skin out, and cover it in salt. Salt's not that hard. You just boil seawater. You can yep. get salt. I can make a fire, and yep, you yeah, can do that. Okay. I can do that. Yep. Making the bowl might be a bit tricky. But I reckon I can figure that out. Well, could the people, would the people be able to do that? The other people who are living around you? Maybe. Bowls have been around a really long time. Yeah. So. so you may be pre-bowl, but maybe up to bowls. Yeah. <laughs> you don't really know, which is interesting. Mm. Okay. okay. I mean, I, I shouldn't be telling you how to pimp your own time here, but you know what a bowl is. You, you, you're, you're a bowl aficionado. I've seen your house. You could explain it to someone else and they could build it. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. Might be a bit tricky, but I think I can... I'm sure I can find a rock that's a bit sort of concave. Yep. I'm, I'm sure I'll figure that bit out. That's not the hardest <laughs> bit. Okay. <laughs> so... <laughs> you were good for bowls. All right, so the, bowl the joey station. skin is pulled tight and covered in salt, yes. and it sits for five days. Then you scrape off all the meat and fat and salt, and then you get an egg yolk. So, right. a, so bird egg... Or that, uh, yeah. you mean that giant carnivorous bird? That one you're going to annoy the giant carnivorous bird. Well, I mean, a giant five meter snake egg is probably fine too. Like I get either of these. Also, not all the birds are that big. Like <laughs> that would save time just to get one of them big ones. Well, I can collect a bunch of little ones. That's all right. Okay, sure, sure. Got it. Okay, so you whisk up the yolk and spread it all over the skin. The yolks have an emulsifiable oil in them. You could also use brains. So I've got oh. Joey brains. You do, yes, on the rock yeah. nearby. Okay. So once that emulsifier is on there, you need to keep it damp. So you just cover it in a wet rag. Everything is harder, Greg. There are no rags. Where are you going to get a rag from? <laughs> okay. I have to make my own rag. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so I guess I'll try to weave a grass mat. I know a little bit about weaving. Yes, because like you've done, you, did, you pimped, you went back to the, the Tongan Empire. Tongan Empire, that's what it was. Yeah, yes, so I know how, I, I already know how to weave grass threads together, so maybe I can make a grass mat, <laughs> like fill it with water and then put it over the top. After a day of that, I wash it all off and then I continue to stretch and work the skin over a stone, sort of rubbing it back and forth so it's all nice and smooth. I just had this image of, of whilst you're doing that, like the, this mother kangaroo sort of hops in looking a bit confused and sort of looks at you and you're like, oh, I don't know. I don't, I, he, went, he went over there. I don't know yeah. what's going on. It just, just hops quietly away. And then picks, look, up look a, then picks up a great big roasted leg of what she can only assume is lamb. 
Well, she wouldn't know what a lamb was. Oh, oh I don't know. A snake? It's maybe it's a snake leg. <laughs> so, <laughs> have you seen any legs on the snakes around here? No, I've eaten them I've all. I've eaten Thanks them all. <laughs> okay, so once this... <laughs> Once it's sat there for a day with that emulsified uh, stuff, I hang it near a fire to smoke it. Right. So the smoke gets in sort of em- embraced into the into the, the pelt and it helps it become waterproof. So I end up with a oh, right. water, waterproof skin. I just invented tanning 40,000 years early. Boom. Nice. I'm a they tanner. They call it danning. Ah, uh, they do now. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so... I cut the correct shapes and sew them together with braided hair or stringy bark. And you, then you've got yourself a genuine Akubra hat, an Australian you use Akubra. your own hair. Your hair would be growing at this point quite quickly. So Yep. Yep. Use your own I hair. Well done. Excellent. Uh, you know, you're not giving me much credit for how long it's going to take me to make this grass mat. <laughs> your hair will be a foot long. <laughs> Well, I'm assuming you got to you got to count all the times you ran screaming from carnivorous birds and giant snakes. You got to factor that in. Come on. I see. So I've cut all these things out and sewn them together. I could sew it together with silk. I could get like try to get my hands on the Australian silkworm. Oh, okay, right. Okay, but that only exists in the southwest of Australia, and that's twenty nine thousand kilometers away. <laughs> So yeah. they they may as well be in Vietnam, which is also twenty nine thousand. Oh, sorry, twenty nine hundred <laughs> kilometers away. Yeah. Twenty nine thousand kilometers away from Darwin is you're getting close to the moon. The well, you're not, but <laughs> no, you're, not. you're certainly in space. It's, it's, no matter which direction you go, the, around the equator is thirty six thousand kilometers, I think. So um, you know, it's, I'd almost, be almost back where I started. So I'm, I'm probably almost right. <laughs> Yes. Uh, just going in the exact opposite direction. <laughs> You're going in the wrong way because you haven't built a compass. It's very yeah. confusing. Okay. <laughs> I can thought... ask a question. Yeah. Do, do, you, do you know, do you, I don't know if you know the answer to this because I don't know. That. Can you just walk into Australia from the north or is there still water between them 50,000 years ago? They believe that there was still a little bit of water there and that it was island hopping that got us the last the last right. 70K. Okay, right, yeah. That sounds very kind of similar to because I mean, it's almost the tip of Australia to Papua New Guinea is pretty close. So like, mm. though, and it's almost island hopping up there. You are, you can island hop through the um, Torres Strait, Torres Strait mm. Islands. But there was a lot up. more land back then, so right. like I think oh, that's okay. the only bit where you have to island hop is that last bit. I think everything else is you just walk across the sand flats. Oh, yep. Okay, so I've finally made my hat. Uh, that is a lot of work, but it's worth it because now I look like a pimp, a naked pimp, but a pimp nonetheless. <laughs> in a grass skirt. In a grass skirt. Grass skirted pimp. Nice. Okay. But in order to really pimp my time, I have to get on top of the real commerce in this culture. Right. At this time, the main item of trade was songs and dances. <laughs> what? Yeah, really? yes, sharing songs and dances was a way of paying for stuff. Like it was a it was a, a sign of wealth to have a, a huge knowledge of songs and dance. Okay. Sorry, I just I just I just had this mental image of you going, This is how I made my hat. I killed a Joey and spattered its brains. Spattered its brains. Oh look, was now going, oh, interesting. I you you've hit on something there. I am one of Australia's greatest musical improvisers. But <laughs> all right, sorry, back. You are, no, you are, you are one of Australia's best musical improvisers. This is actually very true. Okay, but the other thing is, I have 
41 years of listening to other people's music. I've got a wealth of songs and dances at hand in my head. Uh, are you going to raid Jonathan Colton like I raid Leonardo da Vinci? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But it doesn't have to just be some weird internet troublador. Like, I know, I know some Queen songs. I know "I Should Be So Lucky" by Kylie Minogue. <laughs> I know some dances. Listeners, listeners, I'm going to point out right now. Dan Beeston used to do hip hop dancing. He was a hip hop artist and improviser at the same time. So this man has some moves. Well, uh, well, look. Like, you know like only a white man can hip-hop. Yeah, there, there's, the, there's the caveat. <laughs> okay. So I do have some dances. I've got some dance moves, so I think I'll be all right there. I'll be damned, though, if I'm going to teach them the nutbush or the macarena. That shit can, can wait. Okay, so, so they sing songs and they dance to them. This is great because, as I mentioned before, no clothes. Right. They think I'm great because of my great songs and dances. And then, just when they're starting to get comfortable with me... Oh, no. I blow their f***ing minds. Right. I pull out a bone. It's been hollowed out and had tiny holes carefully burrowed into it. (laughs) I blow gently across the top of it. I invent the flute... 400 years early, they lose their f***ing minds. 400 years? Is that all? That's all. That's all. The flute was invented in 46, basically 46, (laughs) 500 BC. (laughs) You just built, you can build the flute. That's fantastic. There you go. Okay. (laughs) Now, Being exposed to such an early culture does have an effect on my brain. My language skills suffer a bit. My brain slows down because I'm not sort of engaging it like I do with with iPads and television and yeah. everything. Not tweeting all the time. Not tweeting all the time. My brain slows down, but their brains speed up. If you have language, not only can you look, but you can label things. And there is a theory that reckons that if you can name things, like a red chair, a pit of toys, a water dispenser, a doctor you can better remember them. Being introduced to music and a richer language helps them develop faster. This process bootstraps the development of their culture. Their rich oral tradition gets the assistance of the written word. And 48,800 years later, they're still telling a story that I first told them about huge boats with sails that look like clouds on the ocean, about white men in red coats, and how the best thing to do is to kill them immediately. (laughs) <laughs> and that's how I pimp my time. <laughs> I love it. Oh, I, thank you. I really enjoyed that. That was fantastic. It reminds me of your your Caribbean one where you got the natives to get ready for the Spanish by basically murdering them as they came ashore. <laughs> like it's fantastic. Oh, beautiful. All right. I think I did quite well there, if I can avoid the snakes. Avoid some snakes and you're going to be fine. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So where, where are you sending me, Dan? I am sending you to Moldavia, 1450 AD. 14. You sent me to 1450 a lot, by the way. Do I? Yes, that's what you sent me to Moscow, 1452 or something like that before. Ooh, so, you could go and meet yourself. <laughs> Moldavia, that's going to be awesome. I can like just talk to Dr. Doom and, and we can like discuss how bad Reed Richards is. It's going to be amazing. Oh, it's Latveria. Crap. Oh, 
Sorry, next door. It's also 1450 AD. Yeah, well, have you seen Dr. Doom's face? He probably is 500 years plus. Yeah, but I don't think the Fantastic Four are. Ah, damn it. Uh, I'll have to look into it. <laughs> walk of Shame! Oh, my God, it's time for Walk of Shame. I'm excited. I'm excited, too, because I've actually got some this time. People sent them to me. Yay! Uh-oh. Before we start out, ladies and gentlemen, whenever Dan makes a terrible gaffe, not, not like a social faux pas, but an actual informational mistake, make sure that you find the right answer and send it through to me at Greg at smartstop.org. Or, of course, on those rare occasions that I slip up with from the, uh, in the information stream, make a tiny forgivable error, make sure you send them to Dan at smartstop.org as well. That's me. I'm Dan. He's Dan. And, and then we can actually do it properly. So, yes, I've got a couple today. So, Dan, basically, we've got a good one here from uh, Mike. Mike has emailed in and said that he really enjoys the podcast. That's not a walk of shame. He's just telling us he likes the podcast. Woo! Uh, and he's glad that we enjoy making it, and he, he's glad that we exist. That's very nice. Yeah. It. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's the first thing I ever did, so it's very nice to hear about that. <laughs> You didn't make a mistake at that point. So he's walking a shaming or walking of shame. So that's always exciting. I brilliant, really this. brilliant. This is very meta. It was, we, were, we were discussing about putting whales into tanks and oh taking God, them away. Oh, God, not again. Because the last time we talked about it, we were doing a walk of shame on a walk of shame. So this is, yes. this is like, this is inception level. This is Leo it's DiCaprio spinning right, a top. Okay. In this walk of shame. <laughs> it will never stop spinning. So basically, Mike says, Dan flippantly said, that when about whales and tanks, that killer whales are whales. Well, he's wrong. They aren't. They're dolphins. In fact, they're the biggest member of the dolphin family. The name comes from whale killer being flipped around over the course of time. And then, I love this full stop, then he puts the next sentence, which I love, Wikipedia covers this pretty well. <laughs> he knows us. Enough that we should have just looked it up on Wikipedia. But there you go. So killer whales. Good aren't catch. Whales. That's a good They're one. Dolphins. They're big dolphins. They're whale killers. You know, Thank you, Mike. I, that was my awesome. first instinct is to go, oh, yeah, I knew that. And I'm like, I don't know whether I did. <laughs> I don't think I knew that. But I do now. I guess that's what the walk of shame's all about. I didn't correct you, so I will, I will not take any of that because it was all you. Fair enough. <laughs> so I've got one for myself. Oh, good. Ages yes. and ages ago. And I, I think I heard this from Dr. Carl, right. but I'm not 100% sure. I said that you can't carbonate milk. That okay. as soon as you try to carbonate milk, all of the carbon goes to the nucleation points on the fats in the milk, and it just comes turns into bubbles and comes straight out. It turns out you can carbonate milk, not as effectively as water. It does actually create a lot more gas, but it still carbonates milk. Um, but the CO2 interacts with the fat molecules in the milk and it immediately makes it taste horrible. Ah, okay. So you wouldn't want to carbonate milk. Yeah. I'm intrigued. See, carbonation is different to fermentation. So Mm. I've had fermented milk. I've Mm. had fermented bear's milk in Mongolia and it's awful. Like it's terrifyingly bad, Mm -hmm. Uh, but it was alcoholic as people drink it over there. I'm not, Mm. hey, if you're Mongolian, you love it. That's well done you. But I couldn't. I couldn't put it in my mouth. It was really, really bad. And what really upset me about it, about it was when you were finished and you had the little dregs at the bottom, they would take them and pour them back into the family pot where it was because it, cause it had it had all the uh, the stuff in it. The yeast. The next... <laughs> but you're like, oh, no. But, yeah, it worked for them. They've been yeah, around for a long time. That's how you can you can do that with beer. You can I can take the muck down the bottom of the beer and yes. turn that and use that instead of pouring in a new packet of yeast. 
Oh man, it's good times. That's how they used to do it. My dad actually tried that because he he's been oh. brewing for a long time. He went, oh, I'm going to try this out, and he tried it out, and uh, he opened the vat at the end of the month and smelt it, and was like, that smells like excrement. Literally smells like excrement. Goodbye. Twenty three liters of what should have been beard. On the exact, exactly the opposite level, I sort of had a second father when I was when I was younger. Terry Kemp was like my 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 sort of I had my dad, my biological dad, and then like his other guy who sort of looked after me as well. He, he and Julie, uh, well, other mother and father, and he would brew his own beer all the time. But he got to the point where he was like, I only drink the top half of his bottles of beer because he just hasn't got time in the world to drink crappy stuff down the bottom. <laughs> so he'd drink the top half and then just pour the rest into the into the garden. That's what I thought you had to do, but I. I thought that was just what people did. But no, that was just him going, I don't care. It cost me 20 cents. I don't really care. I just mm. drink the, the stuff he liked. So there you go. I thought it was quite fun. Yeah, the last inch probably gets a bit cloudy. Yeah, there you so, go. And I actually saw, a, I saw an invention where it's a special right. lid that you put on the beer and then you store the beer upside down and all of the yeast and uh, sediment drops into this lid thing and it's a one-way valve. And right. so when when you take the take it out, you can stick it in the fridge. Or, or you can, okay. or you. But when you turn it upright again, you pop it off, and there's like a little chunk of like the goo in the top of the cap, and the beer is stays nice and clear. Because the thing yeah. is, you can't lie. I can't lie down my homebrew in the fridge because it'll all sort of spread and make the whole thing cloudy. So I've got to be, be kind of gentle with it. But the problem is that these these lids cost like four bucks each or something ridiculous. So that's. It's basically worth a crate of beer. Twenty cent beer. Yeah, maybe not. Yeah, so maybe your dad, oh. maybe your uh, your second dad has the right idea of just throwing the last <laughs> bit out. But, all right. But so. that last bit, it's all yeast, and it's very good for you. Like it's super healthy for you. So if you, if, yeah. if you don't hate it, drink it. It's great. Drink it. Break okay. You said that cats are from Asia. Yes, I thought. Yes, are they? They are sure. not. They are really? not from Asia. They evolved in the Middle East. All which... house cats oh. are Middle okay. Eastern wild cats. They go by the, huh. the scientific name of Felis Sylvestinus. Of course. So, <laughs> Sylvester the cat Sylvester is cat the cat. The cat. Like, cat it's, it's the, cat. the perfect name for a cat. All yeah. my life I've known Sylvester. Never realised that Sylvester meant cat in science. <laughs> Those cartoons were very clever, weren't they? Oh, they're far too clever. <laughs> Did not know that. I thank you for that. Ronan Burke on Twitter said that in April's episode, Dan mentioned that our sense of smell is rubbish compared to other animals. And we talked about that for a bit. I love the fact that he went and found a 2014 study um, <laughs> that says that you're totally wrong and that I, want you, that I should rub your nose in it. My smell's already bad enough. Don't rub my nose in stuff again. It'll just make it worse. Bad, Dan. Bad Dan, you know what you did. So the idea with a poor sense of smell is based on, in 1879, Paul Broca, when he sort of did the, the anatomy of the nose, found that the what we're now called the Broca area, named after him, are quite small compared to the, the Broca area of dogs. He went, oh, therefore, we mustn't be able to smell very well. But it's supposedly not true. So... With this experiment in 2014, they actually could train human volunteers to find odour trails blindfolded in a park. And the more they practiced doing it, the better they became. For so long, people failed to stop and question the claim that humans had a bad sense of smell. Even people who study the sense of smell for a living. The fact is that the sense of smell is just as good in humans as in other mammals, such as rodents and dogs. Wow. Depending on what you're smelling, though, they may be better at smelling certain things better than you, but overall, supposedly not that much difference between you and a dog's sense of smell, which surprises me because you think bloodhounds 
finding people's sense of smell. Mm. Mm. I'm going to keep. I'm going to keep looking into it. But that was a study from 2014. That's super interesting. I'd love to know more about that. I will put it in the show notes. Well, I'll send it to you and you'll put it in the show notes. People can go and find out themselves. Janet thinks that you're confusing multiple facts about your bird milk comment. You said that birds have milk. Yeah, don't they, don't they have a milky flap or something? That's I thought. Some birds produce a milk from the lining of their crop to feed their babies, so in their throat. Most uh, pigeons and doves do, some penguins and flamingos. 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 Flam- I keep flamingos. saying flamingos. Okay, so bird milk. Crop milk is a secretion from the lining of the crop of parent birds, both male and female, that is regurgitated to young birds. It's a sloughing off of fluid-filled cells from the lining of the thin-walled sac-like food storage chamber that projects outward from the bottom of the esophagus. Sounds delightful. Okay. (laughs) There is also cockroach milk. What? Cockroach milk, yes. Scientists have found the Pacific beetle cockroach feeds its bug babies a formula which is remarkably rich in protein, fat, and sugar. The insect liquid takes the form of protein crystals. The milk is four times richer in energy than cow's milk. Wow. So can we all just go to lick a cockroach in the yes, morning? Yes, yes. In fact, the article that I'm going to link to shows how <laughs> all the different ways you can eat cockroach. <laughs> oh, the future is terrifying and awful. Yes, yes. <laughs> and, like, they're, they're the American cockroaches, like the shiny ones that, like, are horrible. The Australian yes. cat cockroaches are sort of small and matte, and they're not quite as... Unpleasant. You mean the brown, those brown ones we have in our houses are German cockroaches, as far as I'm aware. Oh, they're I thought not, they're, they're Americans. Not... Oh no, a walk of shame. I think I think they're they're German, and you think they're American. The, the, that brown cockroach that we call a cockroach in Australia. Yeah. So we have to find out and walk of shame ourselves. I think, or someone can find out. What What's the common household cockroach, listener? Is it Australian? Is it American? Is it German? Or were you totally wrong? I like the idea, listener. You can't see this, but Dan's looking down. I like the idea that he's looking for a cockroach to show me. There's seven. <laughs> <laughs> does, I like that you're talking about milk from a cockroach it's just because we, we drink and I mean I, I'm not really into milk actually anymore either I, I, as I get more lactose intolerant as I get older but we drink it we don't even think about cow's milk it's just something we drink even though it's pretty weird that we drink it when our bodies have to evolve to mm. change to drink it hey if that's what you want to do that's what you want to do great but imagine like a thousand years time in civilization or not even that far 200 years time there's going to be like people going Oh, my God, listen to this weird podcast from the past. These two idiots drank mammal milk. Oh, my God. They didn't drink a nice cockroach. One of the genetically engineered hyper-roaches. I I do like the idea of two people from a 1,000 years in the future, two people like stoned dudes going, oh, man, you ever think about the first person to decide to drink milk from a cockroach? (laughs) Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, I never realised how weird that was. (laughs) <laughs> no, no, it's weird. A thousand years' time, due to the Flynn effect of intelligence increasing, if it increases over a thousand years, there'll be 300 IQ points on average smarter than us. So it'd be us, to, it'd be that those two stoners of the future have equivalent 400 IQ points. <laughs> God damn them. <laughs> this, even, the, even the dumbest people, no, they're the average, not even dumb people, the average people would be off the scale. Like we couldn't even comprehend how smart they're going to be. So there you go. And they're still drinking cockroach milk. The morons. Yeah. Not smart enough. (laughs) They're smart enough to know better. It's what they are. That's right. Any more for me? That's all I have. That's, that's all I have on my side. All right. Laying into me. Come on. Okay. Nipples. Yes. 
No, that's just my nickname for you. <laughs> okay, nipples, sit down and enjoy this story. Okay. We supposed that a mammal's litter was about equal to the amount of nipples that a female has. Yeah. Okay, we're wrong about that. The mammals follow what is now known as the one-half rule. Ooh. So according to the rule, the average number of young in a litter is one-half the typical number of mammaries, and the maximum litter size is equal to the total number of mammaries. Yeah? Humans, that makes sense. One, we normally have one baby, but you have two functional breast nipples you know what i mean like sorry breast nipples i sound like a, a 13th century a monk trying to explain the female body so i guess it makes sense you can have multiple children but it's rare because mm. they'll die yeah yeah so you can have twins twins have been yeah. happening but anything more than that is incredibly rare before yeah. fertility drugs yeah. in which case your body is just like spewing them out <laughs> And that's that's because you normally implant more than one egg at a time to make sure you because it costs a lot of money. So you you go okay if it costs thousands of dollars, I don't want to have to come back and do this again if it doesn't take. So implant two or three eggs at once, and then suddenly you have multiple pregnancies at the same time. So yeah, you can, well, if you, fraternal twins, lots if, of fraternal if twins. If you freeze your eggs, the chances of it being of it working and becoming viable is like four percent. It's tiny. Wow. It's really, really small and really yeah. expensive. Yeah. Now, we got confused because we were talking about the naked mole rat. Yes. Okay, and Smurfs. it's Yes, and it's the uh, it's the mammal that breaks the one half rule. And okay. it, it it suggested the reason that it has what seems like so many extra babies for its mammaries is that it it's just really good at sharing. Which I guess you'd have to be when you all live in a hole underground. Yeah, your commune. Yeah. Uh, even when there are more babies than there are nipples, they just share them around. So what's interesting is you have to have wet nurses then, as in pregnant females, or do they just lactate anyway? They, they just, just, know, well, If there's 25 and there's only 24 nipples, I think that's about right, then that, they'll just wait their turn. And so everyone will get a suck. Do they all the females feed, or is it only like the queen, like bees? Like they're kind of bee-like. They're, they have what? A... No, they they're just normal mammals. Just normal mammals. Okay. I know they're horrifying. Okay. Noah wrote in and was listening to us talking about elephants and dolphins getting off their face. Right. Yes. And we we're a little bit dubious about the pufferfish story, but nothing more has come through on that. But he did mention that there is a, a type of black lemur that gets a millipede and it freaks out the millipede and it causes it to secrete a toxin. And the lemur rubs it all over their fur so that it repels pests. But right. it also gets a bit groovy and sort of weird whenever it does it. So they, <laughs> they suspect that the toxin is affecting the lemur in some certain sort of way. Yep, that's cool. Oh, and to go back to your maths thing from before, yes. Andrew Potts from the United States, Tacoma in Washington. He said that while that you were trying to find out if we could eat all the spiders in the world or yes. if they could eat us, you were trying to find the average of meat consumption on Earth for humans. Uh, you explained you took the average person per country and then divided it by the number of countries. While this would give us what an average country consumes, it would not give us what the average person would consume because a country like Denmark or Australia consumes 100 kilos per person per year and China, 50 kilos, and in India, 5 kilos per person, they would all be weighted equally in Greg's calculations. So he reckons you may have stumbled on the same thing that you were trying not to stumble on in the beginning of the podcast. I know what he's saying, but I'll let you into a terrible secret, listeners, a terrible secret. I took the number from Wikipedia, so I didn't do the maths. Ah, I right. Went, 
I went to Wikipedia and found average human world meat consumption. And then I happened to be talking about countries that were on the same page. It still might be wrong. I'm mm. not going to say it's not. Well, he but... says he gives you a way out. He says maybe you simply Wait. misspoke about your methodology, uh, oh, yes. but he's too lazy to do the actual math as well. So we'll never know. <laughs> Hooray! There we go. We, only Wikipedia knows and it's not telling. Brilliant. <laughs> All right, well, that was quite a long walk of shame. We made lots of wonderful mistakes in that one, and we oh, learned so much. And that's the part I like. They were good ones too, yes. I must admit, I do like it when someone just picks out a pedantic thing and sticks us to the wall on it, even though it annoys me on a, on a, on a level I, it shouldn't annoy me. It also makes me laugh a lot. So don't worry about those. I'm not going to forget that killer whales are dolphins. That's right. Killer whales are whale killers. I'm gonna, you know. In fact, I'm going to call them killer dolphins. <laughs> that's right. Well, they're not dolphin killers. They're... They're whale killers. That's yeah. confusing. <laughs> so whenever Greg makes a mistake, please do send it to dan at smartenough.org. And when Dan makes a mistake, send it to greg at smartenough.org. iPad's dead still, so let's... Why don't we just do my mouth? It's ready on one, two, okay. three. That's hard to do when you've got a delay between your microphones. But I think we did quite well. You have been listening to Dan at smartenough.org. You've also been listening to Greg at smartenough.org. You can follow us on Twitter at SE2KB. Uh, oh, no, we're not, not, we're not doing this anymore, are we? No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, we don't, just, you you know where to else. get them. No, false. Look, forget us. Forget us. We're just idiots. We, we know nothing. You've already, know. you've already got the best that we have to offer. Yes. So what we're going to do is we're just going to pay it forward. We're going to try to promote other people's podcasts. Absolutely. Do you have one to promote? Yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> Good, um, good. You're gonna, you'll hate it. In fact, you tried it and hated it. But I, oh, excellent. I still nice. quite like it. It's called the Dragon Friends podcast, no! and it's a bunch of Melbourne comedians playing Dungeons and Dragons badly. And Greg doesn't like watching Dungeons and Dragons played badly. Damn it! I spent too much of my life trying to do it properly. Yeah. So I quite enjoy those guys. So you can so look up Dragon Friends. They're quite fun. I asked the uh, the Twitterverse for new podcasts to listen to. And I said, please don't send me anything about American politics, murder, sports, or science, because I have those covered or I'm not going to care. One or the other. You can work out which one's which for you uh, or for me. And so I got a couple of really interesting ones, sort of weird ones I didn't know, because I've learned a lot about from podcasts, like economy sort of stuff, economy podcasts I listen to, interesting things like that. I learned that I never knew before. So I wanted something new, and I got sent a whole lot of good ones. Now, one of the ones I'm really enjoying is one by a guy by the name of Jason Weiser, and it's called Myths and Legends. It says here, Jason Weiser tells stories from myths, legends, and folklore that have shaped cultures throughout history. It sounds a bit dry, and it really isn't. He gives a very modern voice to the stories. He talks about, he has this bit of a crypto zoo segment where he, at the end, he talks about cryptozoology in certain parts of the world. Ooh. I really enjoy it. Yes, yeah, so, so he sort of goes, there's a certain bear that lives here, supposedly. It's all myths and legends stuff, so you can say whatever he likes. It's pretty cool. I highly recommend myths and legends. I've just been listening to the podcast about Morgan Le Fay and the Arthurian Knights, and it was over two podcasts, and I absolutely adored it. It's really, really funny, and it's fun and interesting, and he has a really singular and interesting voice. So download Myths and Legends and have a good listen. Excellent. We, we're going to put up the show notes for this show, so they'll be at our website, smartenough.org, easy enough yeah. to find. Yeah, and yeah, you can yeah. click on those. I, I take the time to put them in there. I hope That's someone's right. clicking on them. 
<laughs> I think people do because they definitely say that was wrong or <laughs> they say did you even read the thing that you posted up there <laughs> sometimes it sometimes it feels like that that's <laughs> we're both going to be over in America not at the same place but still but we're, we're going to spread out like America's a horror story like a, <laughs> and we're going to we're going to split up so we can cover more ground I think the theory at the moment is to stay on either side of the Rockies so if there's a tsunami or an earthquake a sort of California on that coast, you'll get killed and I'll survive past the Rockies. But if there's some kind of zombie plague coming from the east, yeah, as all the super volcano, up, or super volcano and Yellowstone, I will be in Yellowstone, I'll get killed and you'll survive. So yep. we're, just, we're just making sure the podcast still lasts for a long period of time. <laughs> if you would like to catch up with us, I'm going to be going all over America. Well, not all over America, all over the western bit. So yes. going through Oregon and Utah and Colorado and down through there and then back and sort of San something, San Diego, San Francisco, something like that. Maybe both of them. I'm going to be there and I've already run, I've already turned from uh, Eric Wilson in Utah and so I might be catching Ooh. up with him. So hopefully that'll be happening. He can buy me a drink. And <laughs> Greg, you've got the same offer going. I will be basically arriving in L.A. halfway through August and then moving basically eastward from that moment on. So Las Vegas, Grand Canyon area, Denver, up to into Wyoming for the eclipse. But by the way, we're going for the eclipse on so the 21st of August, the Great American Eclipse has been called, solar eclipse, and then into Yellowstone National Park and then jumping across most of America, sorry, middle America, the flyover states. I'll actually go to Salt Lake City and then the flyover states, flying over them to land in New York, New York, and hanging out there for a week and going to Washington as well, Washington, D.C. Hey, if you're around those sort of areas, maybe want to look me up, then hey, why not? Let's do something. It'll be fun. Welcome to Smart Enough and No Better, a podcast of thingy, whatnot, and doodah. I might be one of your hosts. I feel very, very adult at the moment, uh, for a very silly reason. Uh, put your seeing... pants back on, for fuck's sake. <laughs> no, you can subjectively like things that are awful. I think you're awful. That's fine. Whatever. Like some people now, people have seen on the internet going, "Oh no, I grew up with the prequel Star Wars movies. They're good." And you're like, "Oh no, you're you're wrong. You're 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 hmm. a crazy person. The the prequels are just a mess." What I didn't even see the third one. No, you were very good about that. I think you made these decisions a long time before I started. Yeah. But the, oh, I, I the... came out of the second one. I was like, "Well, that guy never gets my money again. Fuck <laughs> that guy." In the last Transformers movie, this part where I went. Oh, this is not subjective. Now this is objectively weird. You got like the grizzled dad. He's got like an underage sixteen-year-old daughter. She's hot, but she's sixteen, and no one can, you know, you're not meant to look at her because she's sixteen. But we'll put her in revealing clothing because that's what we're going to do. And you're kind of like, oh, that's just movies. But then there's a whole subplot where she's she's having a sexual relationship with a twenty-something-year-old man. The dad's like, um, a, I don't like it, and b, it's rape. Just just so you know, like it comes up in the movie, like um, it's it's actually she's a child, it's it's rape, and the character goes, no, no, I think you'll find in the state of whatever we are, Nevada or wherever we are, I'm allowed to because of the four year rule, five year rule, proving I'm not a rapist. And I sat there and went, what? Why is this in the movie? Why why don't you just make her eighteen years old or twenty years old, and then you don't have to have the weird 
I'm not raping this girl because it's cool. Sounds like went, Michael Bay's trying to structure a defense for later. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, you know, Force Awakens was quite fun. Um, no, hang on. No, it was a mess. It was yeah, a mess. Yeah. It's yeah, um, mess. it's kind of fun, but it's there's no protagonist. The protagonist keeps switching around. Firstly, the, the protagonist is is Finn. Uh, Finn. And you're like, oh, yep. great, this is the story of a stormtrooper finding redemption. And then yep. and he finds Ray, and there's something exciting and mysterious about her, but it's ultimately about Finn. And then yep. suddenly Han Solo turns up, and it's about Han Solo getting back together with and seeing Leia again after all this time. And suddenly that, yep. that story just goes. And then at the end, you're like, oh, we're finally, Han Solo's gone. Now back to Finn. Finn gets knocked the f*** out. Suddenly it's all yep. about Ray. And it's like, what? Pick a, pick a plot! <laughs> The point of Slytherin is they, uh, when they sell it, is oh Slytherin, they're very, they're very smart and they're very wily and they find clever connections and stuff and they've got all these wonderful skills that never really presents itself in any other combination as gee that guy's a fucking evil. Yes. Yeah, it's the Batman defense against Superman and. Batman versus Superman. It's like, if there's a one percent chance that he can kill us, we must take it as an absolute. All these kids just get lined up and shot. Because <laughs> every one of them can control a nuclear bomb with magic. You know, it's like you can't trust any one of those children. Like you have to go. What if their oh. parents' name is Martha? Well, as long as they're all their names are Martha, yeah. It's fine. I find it very distracting watching cars because they don't have hands. And then the, the, and then in order to travel. Like, the one car climbs inside the plane and the plane goes somewhere with the car inside it. And, but it's it's inside the other character. Like, what... Oh, so it's, it's a sentient plane. It's not just It's that. a sentient plane and a sentient car right. and the car goes inside the other one. And I'm, I find that very upsetting on some sort of sexual? organic level. Too sexual for you? Yeah, like... yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's a forklift playing the guitar. How does he make the chords? Into a time machine. No, it's all wrong. Hang on, let me start again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let, let, let me go back, travel back in time. Let me jump Nine seconds and do that again. Okay, I'm a bit worried. My iPad is plugged in, but it's using energy faster than it can absorb wow. it. That's impressive. Yeah. All right, so if I suddenly blank out, that's the alcohol. But if the <laughs> iPad does... <laughs> And dolphins, they actually fin dolls. Like, it's, I don't even know. It sounds like a sex joke. I don't know. What? Does it? Yeah, you get some doll and fin her up real good, you know? Give her a what? bit of a fin fin job. Give her a fin job. There you go. What What are you talking about? Yes, I like the fact that earlier on in the same podcast, you're like, I'm one of, <laughs> one of Australia's most accomplished improvised musicians. Shut, shut up. Shut up. <laughs> shut up. By the way, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, fin job. Fin job. Ah, thank you. Fin job. And as we and always, like, we to always say, like to say, uh... <laughs> that's, pretty good. that's pretty good on time. Do you want to do it? Or do I should I do it? Uh, I, I don't even, I don't want to do anything anymore. Okay. My will to live's gone. Okay. And as we always like to say, fin job. Um, yay! Yay! He's embracing. He's leaning into it. <laughs>